Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in once again and for checking out thewaybk.com and this podcast as we're going through the Gospel of Luke, thinking about what it means to be following the King. Um, we've probably said this before, I'm not sure if we said it so much on the podcast, but if you live in Brooklyn and if you're looking for people to sit down with you to talk about faith, it doesn't matter if you already believe in Jesus, if you think the Bible is completely whack and it's all a hoax, but you just want to make sure, um, if you got some sort of personal problem you're trying to deal with, whatever, uh, we're here for you. We're not here just to produce content online and to manage a website or uh, keep house in group Bible studies. We really want to connect with individual people and try to be a help in your in your life. So if there's any way we can help you, uh, reach out to us. Go to our Connect page on our website. Um, go to our Facebook page, send us a message, uh, reach out to us however you can, and let's figure out a way to sit down and talk sometime so that we can help you figure out how to know Jesus and follow him as your king. So uh, today we're in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, if you want to open that up. You want to read that uh, either before or after you listen to any of these because obviously we're not going through every detail in a 15 or 20 minute uh, audio recording. We can't get into every detail of these chapters. We're just trying to hit highlights of some of them. Um, so before we start, I wanted to share something with you. I've been reading a book called Prisoners of Geography. It's actually sitting here on my desk, Prisoners of Geography by a guy named Tim Marshall. So the book is, it's a geography book and it talks about how different landscapes and proximity to waterways and oceans and rivers and uh, harbors and you know different things how that affects countries so it's kind of it's like part world history part international politics international relations but all with a focus of how geography affects history um, politics society etc the last couple chapters I've been reading have been about Africa and the Middle East and with an emphasis on how basically in Africa and the Middle East, as most of you know, or maybe all of you know, basically Europeans went into those places and said, hey guys, we do this thing called the nation state. You don't do that though, do you? Okay, well, you should start. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take a map and we're just going to draw lines and we're just going to say, hey, this is now officially Democratic Republic of Congo. This is now officially Jordan. This is now officially Iraq, you know, whatever. And we, the Europeans just created these nation states. Um, and of course, that's led to a lot of problems and stuff up until now. Here's the deal. Sometimes people make up rules and make up structures that are just whack. And actually, this part of the Gospel of Luke, and a lot of parts of the Gospel of Luke, but in particular, I've been thinking about it here in Luke chapter 5 and 6, as we're getting into chapter 6 today. That is what's happening with the people around Jesus. Whenever you look at how Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, they were the premier influencers and shapers, or you might think about they were the map drawers, of religious and uh, social life among Jews in, the, in Jesus's day. A lot of times they would take things that God had said or God had laid down and they would kind of sort of do those, although usually not actually do them. But then they would take out their pen and take out the map that God had made and then just draw their own map. 
write their own lines of how things should go. You see that in chapter 5 at the end of it, whenever they get on to Jesus about forgiving sins and about eating with tax collectors and sinners and all kinds of stuff like that. And this still happens at the beginning of chapter 6. Check it out. In uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Remember our colonialist friends from back in the day. They took something, they looked at it, and then they said, hey, let's redraw the map. Or actually, let's draw a map here onto something that's not really there. This is a story where that is happening. The law of the Sabbath, the map God had laid out for the Sabbath, the seventh day, was that people should um, stop from their work. They should have a sense of completion. Even though nothing was ever really completed, they should just stop and honor that day just like God stopped after his creation was completed, though it wasn't totally, totally completed. There were still things to grow and things to be created and furthered and all that sort of stuff in the creation. Um, but the seventh day was a special day, and God wanted his people to take that rest. And actually, there's other places where Jesus talks about how the Sabbath was not made uh, excuse me, man was not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. In other words, God knew people needed rest. That's what the word Sabbath means, by the way, just rest. All right, so the Pharisees had taken this idea, and the Jews generally had taken this idea of Sabbath, and they had taken out a pen and drawn new lines on the map, uh, things that were not part of the natural geography or society of the idea of Sabbath, and they just drew these new lines on the map of what God had created in the Sabbath. So here, Jesus' disciples are just walking through a field. They snap off some grain. They rub it in their hands so they could get the, the kernels, and they pop them in their mouth. If you want to think about it, this is the equivalent of walking in a corner store, buying a bag of chips, and opening them up as you walk down the street. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. This is not work. This is not. They're not harvesting grain. There was no. They weren't breaking a sweat. They didn't need any tools for this. They were just feeding their bodies. We might even say giving rest to themselves, replenishing the energy that they need in their bodies. And yet the Pharisees saw this as a tremendous violation, that they had broken the rule of the Sabbath. And Jesus answers them, and I'm not going to lie, this is, for me, this is probably like a top ten complicated um, passage. Uh, I have a thought on it. I'm going to share some thoughts with you, but I'm just going to admit it's a little bit challenging. Uh, for me, you may feel like it's great. If so, leave some comments in the comment section here or send us a message and uh, talk to us about it. Anyway, verse 3, Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man referring to himself. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Strange response from Jesus, right? So on the surface, um, what some people think Jesus is doing here, and this very well could be right, because actually some people who I respect their Bible knowledge say this. Um, some people think what Jesus is saying is, hey guys, I know they're kind of breaking a rule, but don't y'all remember King David back in the Old Testament? You can go read this in 1 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 21. Uh, don't y'all remember what David did? You know, he did a thing that broke the law. 
he wasn't supposed to eat that bread. That was only for a holy, dedicated priest. And yet, David ate it. So if David could break that law, it's not that big of a deal for my guys to break a law. So that could be what Jesus is saying. I have a real problem with that, mostly because I just don't know of many, if any, other places where Jesus actually um, himself breaks a law or gives a free pass for anyone who is living under the Jewish system, which that system was in effect until the death and resurrection of Jesus. I don't see Jesus ever advocating someone breaking that law. Um, matter of fact, he would oftentimes encourage people to follow even the pickiest of picky parts of the law. He would tell people to do it. So it's hard for me to imagine Jesus basically saying, hey, you know what? It's fine sometimes to break the law. Here's what I think is actually happening here. I think what Jesus is saying, hey, guys, y'all have no issue with David. And by the way, I'm assuming they had no issue with David here. We do know they thought of David as their national hero. And like most national heroes, we overlook a lot of the flaws, as many as possible, of our national heroes. Kind of like how we overlook that the reason why a lot of conflict in the Middle East and Africa exists is because Europeans went in there and redrew maps that fostered a lot of uh, conflict, although there was conflict even before that. But you get the point, right? We can overlook uh, our heroes, especially our national heroes. So I think what Jesus is saying is, hey, you know, David did this thing. You got no problem with that. Here's the deal. There's someone greater than David in front of you right now. I, the Son of Man, I'm not just the king that reigns in Jerusalem who should be given a free pass about bread. I'm actually the one who made the rules. So don't you think I understand them better? Because the Son of Man is the master of the Sabbath. I think that's the real point that Jesus is making. I'll be honest. You may disagree with my take on what, why he's bringing up David, but I do know what Jesus wants us to walk away understanding. I'm the rule maker. But not just I'm the rule maker. I'm the rest giver. If you want real rest, Jesus is saying, you're not going to find it in determining whether or not you can break off some seeds in your hand and eat them. The only way you're going to find rest is if you come to me and if you understand me. In verse 6, the story goes on where Jesus went into a synagogue and he was teaching and there was a man whose hand was shriveled. So you might think of somebody who's got a disability with their hand, um, some sort of you know muscular problem or whatever. So the, and look at this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, instead of trying to help this guy, praying for this guy, taking up a collection to bless this guy, they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. By the way, if Jesus were to heal on the Sabbath, that would be, quote-unquote, work. So they watched him closely. Let's see if we can bust him on this. He kind of sort of got us on that grains and grain in the field thing, but we can get him on this. But Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, said to the man with the shriveled hand, listen to this, he said to him, he didn't touch him, he didn't lift a finger, he didn't do anything, Jesus just said to him, get up and stand in front of him, of everyone. So the guy got up and he stood there. Then Jesus asked the people, especially the Pharisees, the teachers, etc. I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all. 
by the way, the Gospel of Mark notes in this story that Jesus looked with anger because of their hardness of heart. In other words, nobody admitted, you know what, Jesus, you're right. Doing good is what the Sabbath is about. Providing rest and restoration and blessing to people. That's what this, It's not about just bringing a bunch of rules on people. That wasn't why God invented it for the Jews to follow. It was to bless them, to heal them, to help them. None of them admitted that. And so Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. Here's what I love, by the way. Jesus, first off, exposes their hypocrisy. That They were just looking to blame people for stuff, right? They didn't really care about Sabbath. They didn't, they didn't get the point of the Sabbath. They didn't understand it. They, they were just drawing their own map of how things should go. Jesus is saying, I'm here to give real rest. And meanwhile, you guys are just trying to figure out a way to trip people up. Jesus exposes them for that hypocrisy and wickedness. But he also does it in a way that they could accuse him of nothing. He doesn't even lift a finger to help this guy. He just speaks. And the man was completely restored. Two things to note here. If you want rest, Jesus is the only person who can give it to you. Money is not going to give you rest. Falling in love is not ultimately going to give you rest. Having a healthy body, taking a nap, isn't going to give you real, real rest. And you know that because every one of those things, you have to do it again in order to be replenished, to be um, fixed up again. Jesus is the Lord of rest. He is the rest maker. He is the rest giver. Second thing, when you come to Jesus, the rest he provides will restore you. We get broken down, we get beat up, we get overwhelmed. But what Jesus is promising is that if you come to me, I will restore you. And the way he did that was by taking on our burdens. By being broken down so that we could be put back together. Verse 11 even hints at what would happen in the future for Jesus. It says in verse 11, The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious. And they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. And of course what they did is they hung him on a cross. But in hanging him on the cross, they enabled or they provided for him opening up the real rest for every person. Forgiveness from sins. Restoration from our brokenness and our evil and our wickedness. So that Jesus could redraw a true map of our lives where he could change the landscape of what's going on with us so that he could be our rest maker, our rest giver, the Lord of the Sabbath.